You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today... The theme of the day is Kevin Pritchard because Kevin Pritchard had a 48 and a half minute press conference on Monday. And when Kevin Pritchard speaks, you got to listen because he is the decision maker, president of basketball operations and joining me, of course, to break down the key things that we believe were said by Kevin Pritchard, what it means for the team this past season, what it means for their current decision making, what it means going forward. Former Indy Corners writer extraordinary Adam Friedman. Adam, how's it going? Pretty good. We uh, long time no talk, Tony. Long time no talk. You no kidding. We've done a lot of shows this month together. That oh, means there's a lot of good Pacers. Yeah, it's been a, well. It wasn't always good earlier in the month, but yeah, it was a busy. That's month. true. That's true. So yeah, Pritchard spoke for a long time, and you know he talked about everything you want to know about, right? The upcoming free agency period a little bit with regards to McDermott and McConnell, although that was honestly like the tenth most interesting thing. I don't even have that on our list of stuff to talk about. And he talked about. This past season and coaching and injuries and his own job and what they want to do kind of planning wise going forward. So there's a lot to get to. But the first section is obviously the big one, right? Nate Bjorker. And everybody's curious about his future. And look, Pritchard had to address it straight up. He had to talk about their hiring process. He had to talk about what he expects with Bjorken going forward, how it impacts him. So first, I just don't want to mince any words. I don't want to quote him. So here's what Kevin Pritchard had to say in one sentence about the future of Nate Bjorkren as the head coach of the Indiana Pacers. So just to follow up, you're not committed to him next year at this moment. Um, he is our coach as of now, and I'm going to have a, a fair discussion with him. And my goal is, I don't think it's fair um, to look back at this season after winning 34 games with a dismantled roster without having some good things that I felt good about too. So um, I'm not, I'm not committing either way. So in short, Adam, non-committal, which, which that makes sense. I feel like that was what was going to happen going into this. And I think we have to specify a lot during this podcast. There is a difference between reality and what is said in the press sometimes, but that said, this makes sense. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out going forward. Yeah, what happened? So last time I saw this on Twitter, I think from Jay Michael. So last time he was non-committal about the coach was McMillan last year. I think McMillan was fired like two days later. McMillan like, oh. got fired before they even did the end of season presser last year. Did they? Yeah. I, was it that quickly? Or maybe I don't remember the exact timeline, but I, it was close. It looked like the timeline he said that, and then it was like immediately. Yeah, it was pretty um, quick. This seemed like it's going to be a little longer. Um, I agree. I guess the 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 question I have is. What is waiting do? I mean, if you, if you wait longer, are you just, you just, you're buying him more time to like save his job pretty much, I guess. Right. Cause it that's, feels like that's what Greg Doyle wrote for those who are listening and haven't read it in the Indy star. Oh, I have not read that yet, but Greg Doyle wrote a great story because Greg Doyle thought a lot of this presser made him think that a lot of the team and Bjorken are coming back. Right. Because he said things like, well, I'll let Bjorken plead his case and say all these things he needs to prove. And like, Greg Dole is kind of right that he laid out what Bjorkman would need to say. But that said, you don't go on a presser in front of all the media and say, we're not committing either way. 
And that's not a big vote of confidence for your guy. You know what I mean? So like the Kings basically just said outright that Luke Walton would be back next year in their postseason presser. So there is clearly a fine line of words that were used that are not a vote of confidence for Bjorkren, but there is, you know, the take that you can come up with that. Yeah, they are potentially buying time to let Bjorkren try to save his job. I'm not saying he's going to, and I still predict that he will not be the coach of the Pacers next year, but you're right that that is a true thing that happened. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've been concerned about this from the start, but if he's got one year left on his deal, I think it's what's been reported. So if they don't really want to pay for two coaches, they will likely keep him. And it could be simply a financial decision at the end of the day. I mean, I, you, know, you would hope that he isn't making that much money. You go out and get somebody good if you're you know, committed to winning. But I, I don't know. I mean, this team is in a weird, weird spot where you can probably talk yourself into just running it back and everybody healthy. Oh. But I feel like that's, that, I feel like that's been the case for three seasons now yeah. where, Oh, just, we're just healthy. But like at some point you just aren't good enough at the same time. So I, I think, I think there should be change. I'm not saying that, but you could convince yourself that, you know, you run it back and everybody's just healthy. All of a sudden you're like the sixth seed and that's good enough, I guess, to like not get fired. Yeah. We'll see what happens with all that. And I agree with a lot of what you just said. I think Ryan McDonough, for those who don't know who he is, he used to be an executive for the Boston Celtics and then was the GM of the Phoenix Suns. He actually tweeted today uh, about the Pacers situation, and he would know, right? He was involved in all this stuff. I think it was as recently as two or three years ago. And he tweeted, Indiana will likely gauge interest in their head coaching job from other potential candidates before deciding Bjorkman's fate. The Pacers are a small market team with budgetary restrictions. So as one exec, you want to know exactly who you can hire, how much it would cost before you making a head coaching change. So I agree with you that when I think we kind of know what the Pacers in general, that cost is a factor. McDonough seems to indicate that that is a thing as well. And, you know, he had the big market in Boston and a smaller market in Phoenix. He's seen it all there. But at the same time, I think that that's something they'll do, right? They, they, they probably know they want to move on, but if they scan the market for all the people they would like to hire, and none of that guy is there. The fact that they gave Bjorker in the blueprint, as Greg Doyle said, or they left the door open means he could be back. But again, I think the fact that they're non-committal in a public setting, given everything we already knew from during the season, still makes it more likely than not that he is not the coach next year. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know at, at this point, considering all the, the stuff that's been out there. I mean, even if it was like, I'd, I'd say like only half true or not completely true, but it probably isn't all completely true. I just don't know how he, he can survive just considering the way you watch the way they played the last month of the season. I mean, I mean, outside those last two weeks, they just all season, they have not played very well. And they, it's something that's felt off. Now it could just be the injuries, but they just haven't like things haven't gelled in general. And then you add that on top of what is kind of behind the scenes, the disaster that, I mean, if you took this just as kind of like, just took the season, you you could consider fire him just based on the record. Cause he just, this team makes the playoffs. That's like their goal. Right, every single year, whether no matter what happens, they're supposed to be a playoff level team. That's the roster. Whether they that have. should be the goal or not is a different question, but I agree. Yeah. No, but like they probably had a roster that should have been a playoff team, oh, even, for sure. even with the injuries and whatnot. Sure. I mean, that and that's so, like, on that basis, you could make a keep get fired, right? I'm trying to think, right? The last time they had a losing record, they fired Vogel, right? I and mean, that's just one year later, but that, yes. Oh, one year was, it was right. It's one, I did this last time. It's one year later, but like it was a similar thing. Like this team is expected to be a playoff team, and when it's not, it's disappointment. You know, that's it. Yeah, so we'll see here, but I don't think we learned anything that makes me lean farther in either direction. I don't know if you disagree with that, but that's my takeaway here is that I still think that we're on the course of a different Pacers head coach next year and that 
you know, they'll have their meetings with Bjorkren now that X interviews are all done with all the players. They can really talk to him. And Karis Verts is still going to come up. They said they wanted to do it in person. Maybe that's a holdup, although I highly doubt it. Um, so that they'll they'll talk with him, figure out what they can do, and, and assess from there. And and I think that it, I'd still stay on the same. I don't think any of his comments today stray me from my thoughts that he will not be the coach next year. And I just said that like a hundred times in the show, but still. That's what I took away from that. And if you just if you think that it swayed you either direction, I'd be interested in that. But other than if not, I would like to move on to the next thing. Yeah, let's do it. So the other personnel thing that Kevin Pritchard said, kind of a one, maybe not a one offline. It's a pretty big deal. But he said he is being evaluated. Like he and his job, he said, to be honest, right now I'm being evaluated. I should have put his own quote in there, but everybody tweeted it out. It should You've be seen. though, right? I mean, I mean, you're always evaluating all your personnel. Well, he, he, what he, what he basically said after that is like, I'm being evaluated every day. And so I think the point of what his quote is, is like, look, I, I work for Herb Simon. Like we all, we all view correctly. He's the head decision maker. Like technically things run through him as the funnel, but like he works for Herb Simon. Right. So Herb is evaluating him every day. And I don't think you throw that line in without, you know, your boss is disappointed in something you did, like hiring the wrong coach to run the basketball team, right? So I think that what he's saying is like, I'm being evaluated every day for the decisions I make. It's my job to make this team the, to you know achieve Herb's goals and be good and be good for the fans and try to compete. And I didn't do that. And in that way, I'm being evaluated for my failures. That said, I absolutely do not think he would get fired for anything no, that no, he I did. Mean, I just, I thought it was noteworthy that he threw that line in and it's something to monitor, I think. I mean, he has outside of the drafts, I think, and he's still done some, had some good deep, like, (laughs) yeah, but outside of the, I mean, like he has pulled some off seasons where he has got players and improved the talent in ways you like, just honestly couldn't believe. I mean, uh, he traded Victor Oliva for Karis LeVert. Oladipo like probably isn't even worth, I mean, Oladipo has no trade value. He had had no trade value two months ago. He got traded for a bunch of salary dump. I mean, that's how. That's how no value Oladipo had. And he got like a legitimate player who the last of the season averaged like nearly 30 points a game or something like 20, 25 a game. Um, he did that. I mean, he's had some really good free agent signings between like the season when went Collison and Bogdanovich when nobody thought Bogdanovich should be a starter. He saw that and made him one. And now Bogdanovich is like, uh, you know, a leading player on a championship caliber team. Well, the Utah. letting Boyan walk was maybe not as good, but they already gotten worn in tow at that time. So it's like a little bit of yin and yang. They were like, you probably should have kept him because he's really good. But also I get why they didn't. Yeah. I mean, it's still felt like an overpay and I'm not sure. I guess it wouldn't have Warren and Boyan, but I, I get, they didn't really have the, I mean, in the hindsight, you have both those guys and just, well, they couldn't know. have got Brogdon. I think if they kept Boyan. I, yeah. So there's a lot, but like, I'm just saying him that in that, even it was a good move, right? He was able to determine, we all thought it was Ricky Rubio. We were all kind of lukewarm on to like Malcolm Brogdon, who, we were much more excited Those to have him in the roster. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's what I mean. He, he has made some really good uh, personnel moves just to, like, put together a decent team. I mean, even the old, even the, the Paul George trade, just salvaging that was, like, a miracle. I mean, that's probably the best trade for, like, a, you know, a top 15 player that we've seen this decade that has, you know, that hasn't involved besides, like, some crazy pick swaps that end up, like, looking out to be good, right? I mean, like, yep. I'm not sure there's been a superstar trader for better assets except maybe Anthony Davis, right? Because Brandon Ingram's that good. But, like, it's really hard to get a good asset when you know the guy's going to leave anyway, so he's he's done a pretty good job. But there is some case with his picks and this coaching that he should at least be like on a little bit of a hot seat, or or at least be like a little bit evaluated. Right? If he hot seat's the wrong word, I think. I think hot is the wrong word. But if he continues to make mistakes, yes, it will. It will. It, it, these will be highlighted as like reasons why you know the coach, yep. the coach issue, the first round picks issue will be part of the reason he ultimately moves on. If we're talking two or three down the road, the team is really bad for whatever reason. Yeah, the draft has been its own beast. I think his signings have all been. 
good players on value deals, except for Tyreek Evans. Uh, that one was his. his but that his honestly move. actually was the best. Like, so that that off we were okay. so into them. <laughs> no, happened. no, but like, remember all the players available? That was such a like. There was nobody available. They basically just pushed their cap over a year and got the best player at the time that was available. Now he wasn't. You know, but there wasn't that many good trades that year. Remember, right? It was. Like it a worked very... out because it was a one-year deal, but it was it was a mistake. Like we can be honest, it was. A mistake. Yeah, but who could they? I guess who would, who would have been the replacement for him? I guess that's what I mean. The, you don't have to have a player. <laughs> no, but then but then you're using fourteen million dollars. Like, I mean, you you don't. But like, what's the point of having fourteen million dollars in cap space during the year? I guess to make to have a flexibility for a there trade, right? Something. Yep. But it, I'm not sure that's that. That that's worth the risk that was Tyreek Evans, I guess, right? You know what I mean? I think it was worth Depends. the risk. And you never that. know what the opportunity costs are. Yeah, well, that said, I feel like we, the risk is worth it. I guess as we go through the history of his deals, overwhelmingly positive, right? Like the big trades have been good. The little trades have been good. Some good second rounders, great fringe signings. The draft has been bad. And this Bjorken deal is really bad, especially if there is questions about their hiring process, which he did address and say that, you know, that they, they talked to so many people about this guy. So that might be not perfectly accurate, but still, you know, I get why he said that. And I get why he added that in there. I do not think he is at any risk of losing his job. And even if Bjorken is not back, I do not think Kevin Pritchard will be let go from the Pacers. That is my thoughts on that. I would agree with you. I mean, I don't think he should be. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. But it, it doesn't mean that he shouldn't feel like he has to prove himself because he has. This was a, this is a mistake. It was a bad mistake if you end up firing two coaches. And, it does make his next coaching fired. hire infinitesimally more important for his job security. Yeah, I mean, it's his, it's his last one, pretty much. I guess I would say. Yeah, it could or, be. Arguably, it could be. Yeah, I mean, if it gets this guy be. lasts this guy lasts five years, then he's fine. But if this guy, this could be his last coaching hire loss opportunity. But of this one, then it's probably he probably loses his job. So beyond personnel, he talked about the team a little bit. Goals coming up, what happened this year with his roster, right? He built that. They only went 34 and 38. You got to talk about that kind of stuff. So let's pivot from personnel and front office, which Yorkin and Pritchard, to the team. But first, a break to talk about two great people. The first one is the folks over at Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. And finally... There's a tobacco alternative that doesn't suck, researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. Lucy has created nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, winter green cinnamon and pomegranate. They also have a lozenge with four milligrams of nicotine that comes in three flavors, cherry ice, citrus and mint. The lozenges and gums are FSA and HSA eligible, so you can use your FSA cards to purchase Lucy now, and it's convenient and discreet. Products can be enjoyed anywhere, on flights, at work, on the go, or even in the gym. So it's 2021. Get rid of your cigarettes, unplug the vape, throw out your dip, and get some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple, and you don't have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down. Again, those lozenges and gums are also FSA and HSA eligible, so you can spend pre-tax dollars on them. Locked on NBA Network listeners, go to lucy.co. Use the promo code Locked On NBA, all one word, to get 20% off all products on your first order, including gum or lozenges. That's lucy.co. Use the promo code Locked On NBA at checkout. Also, I have to give this disclaimer warning. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Lucy.co, and be sure to use the promo code Locked On NBA. And also, we're talking about Rock Auto because chain stores have different prices for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. They offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear. Like airlines do, rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online 
For over two decades, you can shop for anything you need directly on their site. They'll send it to you in a few easy clicks directly to your door. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose from the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals to do it yourself. Or it's why spend up to twice as much for the same parts. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Adam, the roster. Cameron Pritchard said it specifically. Evaluating this team was tough, especially the starting five because of the big thing, injuries. This team was hurt a lot. We're going to talk about more so the injuries next season. But I think that this is another part of Greg Doyle's story that I thought was interesting and, and sort of agreed with. That like him saying he had trouble evaluating his team sort of makes me think he's more interested in running it back than I would be if I were in his shoes. But that said, I agree with him that it was tough to evaluate this team given the injuries, given the midseason trade, right? But you know, he, he, him saying that they go thirty four and thirty eight, that evaluating the team is tough. I think that's interesting in that in that you can kind of foresee maybe a future where they bring back more guys than we maybe had previously thought. I I don't I don't think we're going to see as much change as. We think there should be foreseeing. Yeah. I mean, I, we kind of flipped. I feel like last time I was like, they're going to make all the changes. You're kind of like, eh, we'll see. I just, I just feel like this team just runs it back every year and hopes for a different result. And kind of sometimes, I don't know. I mean, like this team seems very content with being like a six, let's say five to eight seed. And I do think the roster with that's like slightly healthier is a, is a five to eight seed and slightly better luck is a five to eight seed. Now maybe the East just got so much better now. Maybe the Hawks are just like a better team will be. And they might be, I mean, Trey Young looks awesome. Look awesome on, on Sunday. Maybe the Knicks that way, then they will have to reevaluate. But I feel like part of what's going on right now is just like this thought if we just get up and healthy next year, they're the five seed again, they at least would think internally. Yeah, I don't want to get on the if they just get healthy train. <laughs> just I know, but that's I just that's think that's big... a bad way to like move forward and grow. Like if you're stagnating, you're not moving forward. And I think that Yeah, but I guess you add you say we made the Karis trade. That's that's a move. And then you have a pick, right? So the Patriots say we they have a pick, and so that's a move. And then I don't know, maybe you can you make some margin move like you sign and trade one of McConnell or McDermott and like that to get a player. Maybe but like, the move I'm, is the same move as last offseason. The guy calling the place. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, those are all moves. I mean, it's. I don't think we're going to see like. I mean, I would be surprised if the you know four of the starters are not there at least that we expect, if not all five. I mean, I think six of the top eight will be there, right? The four starters, and then you had like Justin Holiday will be there for sure, and um, I guess probably maybe six of the top nine. Sumner will be there, right? So that's six of the top nine at least that's still in the roster. I do agree that with him that it it was tough to evaluate the team in general. Like we've never ever. Seen Karis Levert and TJ Warren play together. Like we haven't. That just is a thing. Which could be a disaster. That could be a whole nother issue. (laughs) That's true. Um, We have never seen Brogdon, Karis, and Warren together, right? So, like, yeah, I I understand those things completely. And he talked about Warren's absence hurting their defense. And, again, we'll get to that Warren specifically because that was a big feature of today, which I thought was interesting. But um, I I agree that it was tough to evaluate, but I I wouldn't say that, oh, you know, you know what? I just – I don't know. Maybe this team is really good and I can run it back. Like, I don't know if I can be that confident going into next year, just because even like they were really good at the start of the year. That's fair. They started off whatever, nine and four and they were four and one. And like, that was great. But like they had three or four starters for a lot of the ending stretch and still had some super perplexing losses. And we talked about, you know, some of the, uh, the off court stuff 
uh, earlier and how that pertains to Nate, there was that Kings game where like it boils over onto the court with an assistant coach and Goga. Like it's kind of hard for me to think that you look back at this year and just go, yeah, we can bring back a lot of these pieces and be okay. I, I don't know. I think they, they haven't won a playoff game with this score. Like they just haven't. So, but part of my problem would be is like, I'm not sure there's a movie improve the team. Your only move is to, is to deconstruct it. Right. I mean, I mean, I don't know if there's some grand we'll there, <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, as you got to think about, and we will get there, but like, they're not cracking the top three in the East right now. And I, I could see definitely next season, the Raptor, well, Raptor probably won't be, but like the boss definitely being that four lock once everybody, you know, they get Jalen Brown back and they have kind of a full roster and they just, they're just, I just think they're way too talented to be the seven seed. And then maybe, maybe they're the five seed, but like the heat are probably that next year, especially they get a big acquisition. So like, they're not cracking the top, at least the top three and probably the top five, no matter what the rosters, unless they're getting like, you know, Oh, so they should Bradley Beal. Interesting. Well, no, but like they're not, but they're not. I'm not saying they shouldn't make it. I'm saying they're not going to because they're not going to tear this thing down and try to be a bottom three team next year either. Yeah, that that's was the next point I have here. So that works out well. He did say they're not. He didn't say these specific quotes. I got to specify at all times here. But retooling was the term he used. Not he doesn't want to go backwards. Not a rebuilding situation, right? And I thought that was noteworthy as well. I have that as two points. I have not rebuilding. Retooling is a point. I don't want to go backwards. Is a point. Those are. Pretty similar, though. I understand the subtle differences in my logic there when I typed them out, but I understand that that's very similar. But yeah, when it comes to the roster, you know, the retooling thing made me think that the change, maybe not big changes like I had surmised at some points earlier in the offseason, but changes could could be on the horizon. But I understand you're thinking that, oh, they could just go Karis plus Warren plus our 13th pick plus some marginal stuff. Those are our retools. Like we're ready to go. I guess that's possible. I just did not hear it that way in the moment, but that's a good point. That's certainly possible, but that may be more of what he is thinking, given what he said. Yeah. But again, don't take anything from the press or face. So the Pacers have done a remarkable job, like not being in rebuild mode, considering what happened five years ago. I mean, we cannot under underrate how trading Paul George at the time, a top 15 player, a guy who, who can single-handedly lead a team to the playoffs and if things are going to arguably win a playoff series, especially in the East, I think uh, it was possible, right? They had to get rid of him and they did not really get any worse record wise. That's like a miracle in itself. I mean, I, you go through teams that had to give up big superstars and most of them are now fully tanking. You know, you look at the Thunder, the Rockets. Um, I'm trying to think of another, those are the, I mean, the two recent examples, but like most time when you trade your superstar, when you're a small market, you're toast for at least three seasons. They were not. So now they're just kind of, this might be the prolongingness of that where they've kind of hung around. And now there's kind of at this like pivotal moment of like, do they just go that route or do they keep trying to push ahead and retool and retool? And does it, you know, at some point you're taking, you know, 80% on, on the dollar each time. And now all of a sudden, you know, that, that value is much less, right. Cause they've so went low, from, yeah. right. I mean, th- if Sabonis wasn't what he was, they would be a, a lottery team. I mean, that getting Sabonis in that trade was the best. I mean, obviously it was, he was the best, you know, return. I mean, he's like a top 25 player, but nobody saw well, that. Vic was a better return than Sabonis, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, but at the time, but over right now, Sabonis is the best, better return, obviously. Um, but you got, you got, you got 80 cents on the dollar for Paul George. Then you got like, let's call it 50 cents on the dollar for peak Oladipo, right? I mean, Oladipo today, you got great value, but like where he was three years ago, you got about 50, 50 cents of that or 70 cents of that. So like, you just keep kind of marginally decreasing that value and eventually it's going to catch up. I guess <laughs> that's like a, a very galaxy brain long form thought. Like they're getting good value for their guys along the way. Obviously you question the process in the middle, but no, it's just, they're getting a little bit, little less value each time, which adds up 
you know, that you go from having Paul George to having Karis Levert and, and Sabonis. Sabonis, which is still good, but it's not the same. Those obviously. Guys yeah. Can't it's not, carry it's not Paul way. George, obviously. Yeah. And that just over time, and you could make a case with that with Roy Hibbert and Dave West, their peaks, all you can know, start tracing all that down. But like, that's what happens over time is as you start getting less and less value, it, it makes you worse. And then you have to, this is a, this is a pivotal moment, right? I mean, they're, they're at this point where they can probably push for another season or two, or they can just sort of. Well, we talked about the contracts lining up yesterday, right? Like pushing for two more seasons, given their roster and the contracts like that, that makes the most sense. Right. So maybe that's, maybe they retool around the four guys who have that length of deal left and figure it out from there. And I think he he even said it, right. They don't want to go backwards. Rebuilding is not a thing they're going to do. And this doesn't really make sense for them to do it this time. Anyway, given the the length of the deals they have left, the guys in their roster, right? Like you can't get awesome rebuild level stuff from what they have right now. So it doesn't really make sense at the moment anyway, especially because their youth pipeline is, pretty bad as we talked about yesterday. So definitely not the time for rebuilding going backwards again, doesn't make sense, but certainly when you take a step back, right? I talk about this all the time, the crawl, walk, run thing of team building, they crawled and they walked and now they're kind of like walking on their knees. I, I don't really know what is a good between crawling and walking evaluation limping of the buildup to what Limp, limping around. Limp, yeah. What, what are those called? The wheelbarrow races where like one person uses their legs and the other person uses their feet in front. They're kind of like, like doing that. You you <laughs> called me galaxy brain now. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. We, we both uh, did psychedelics before this podcast. Obviously yeah, no, I'm I feel that way right now. <laughs> so we'll see what happens there, but I think that it's, it's telling a little bit that they're going to, they're that, you know, they don't want to go backwards. I mean, we kind of knew that again, they would, they would try to make the team better, obviously, but rebuilding not in the card. So don't think that way when you kind of picture what their offseason deals could look like. Uh, I, I will say here, I will say one thing. Could you imagine if they got in Ricky Rubio instead of Brogdon, how much further <laughs> back they'd be set, right? I mean, yeah. they have, like I said, they have gotten extreme value out of things that should never have been there in value. I mean, they, the fact that they got Brogdon in that definitely improved the ceiling of this team to a whole nother level than if when Rubio or they got some, even somebody else that, that $20 million salary. Yeah. All right. The last thing I want to talk about is I mean, not other, but like stuff that impacted basketball this year, stuff that made the Pacers go 34 and 38. And we talked about some of that at the beginning, Nate Bjorker. And we'll talk about two other things that happened in the spring. But first, let's talk about the great folks over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action over at BetOnline, including how my failures are doing. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and UFC or MMA action over there at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, head over there to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news. Sign-up bonuses and contest info do not sit on the sidelines any longer. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to that website, betonline.ag, on your computer or use your mobile device to sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word, at checkout, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, betonline.ag, or online sportsbook experts. All right, the, the last two big things to me today. There are other stuff, again, there was other stuff that was said this is stuff that stood out to me in a way that was like, what is the front office thinking? Or how does this sort of tweak the way I evaluate the season? And the first one is something that if Kevin Pritchard had just said it, I wouldn't have typed it down, right? He talked about TJ Warren's injury. TJ Warren got hurt and he only played four games. That hurts the team. Duh. That hurts the team a lot. We knew that. We talked about that during the season quite often. He talked about the Warren injury a lot though. And I think rightfully so, 
he brought up a few things that are important. One, how many teams can lose their number one score and still be good? The funniest part of that quote, I think you you remember this, Adam, was he was like, what if the Lakers lost LeBron James? And I was like, okay, I get the point you're making, but like, maybe let's not stretch that comparison out here. I get the point he's trying to make there, though. And two, beyond just losing your best score, you lose a really good on-ball defender, right? And he said, if you can't guard those big wings, something we've talked about a lot this season with their defense struggling, you can't defend in the NBA these these days, right? Like, it's impossible to defend without being able to slow down big wings or, like, have someone stocky to put on quick guards. They didn't have that with Warren. But he brought up Warren a lot, and I think, and they, maybe they're right. TJ Warren's really good. I predicted he'd be the best player on the team before the season started. That obviously was wrong. But he harped on Warren a lot, and I think they... Maybe don't expect him to fix a lot of their ailments, but they but the front office seems fairly confident that having him back can be a big factor in improving the team next year. Yeah. <laughs> he's good, but he's not. I think he's very good. Solve all your problems, good. I guess. <laughs> he's good enough to certainly improve your roster and save you some nights when you can't score. I was like the best part of him was that like he could score at any you know, you needed a bailout shot. Tita one was the guy to bail you out with, you know, because he could figure out how to score. Um, although he just started in the playoffs a decent amount trying to score when they threw everything at him. But he's not, like, going to solve the fact that you can't play defense with two centers. Um, he's not right. going to – he's not going to – he'll solve some of your bench problems, certainly. But then, like, how do we know somebody else will get hurt, like, the first week of the season, right? Like, right. the war comes back, but then Brogdon gets hurt. And then is Brogdon the reason they sna- – you know what I mean? Like, at some point, like – <laughs> You can't blame injuries for everything. Yeah, they've had a major injury for like four straight seasons, right? They'd already post a bonus, and now him. I mean, that's every for three major parts of their season, right? I mean, they sh- they should have missed brought in the playoffs last year, if they, you know, if coronavirus didn't happen. So like, there's just it's it's too variable to be like got to blame it all on one the best score because next season we'll watch Brian hurt and they'll blame it on Brian was our best score and he got hurt. Like some points, like well, you got to survive or you just got to figure out like you need you know what I mean something else to, to work. I do agree with you there. And I think that sort of Warren's injury beyond what he's saying that like, like, yeah, it hurts them on the court. They don't have a replacement there. That's where it really hurts is you don't have a replacement, right? Your roster no, is not constructed works. in a way that you have any sort of wing who can dribble, right? Doug McDermott can come off screens and score and dribble into the paint for a layup when he's got that advantage off the screen. He can't handle and create his own shot. Justin Holiday can't really do that either, right? You're lacking in that skill department. You lose one player. Suddenly you lose almost that entire skill, especially when they didn't have Levert, right? Like that stretch from late January to when Levert returned there, that was probably their worst stretch of the season. First of all, yeah, because they ripped out to the team's second and third best player or third and fourth best player, first and fourth best player. Their offensive scoring was so bad, so bad for that. Well, it's what happens when you haven't, when you, the last four you drafted had to get traded in the off season because you had a salary dump, right? They don't have (laughs) a forward. No, I mean, they don't, they they have not. Well, it's just when you draft a center, when you have two centers and then you, when you draft a four, it doesn't work out. And therefore when after him that are playing on rosters that are pretty decent forwards, it would be great to do one poison when it's OG right. and an OB, right? I mean, that's part of the problem. Or when you guard, you picked a guard and he also didn't work out. Like they just, yeah, it's been, a, it's it, it, a lot of that is not just Warren. It's, it's a combination of just not having done anything that well. To, I agree. To find that I, that's why out. him harping on Warren a lot. Like I get, why are they coming from? We're like, yeah, that hurts. Like, you're only playing, especially if you only played four games. You know, it's almost like worse than zero, right? You can plan before the season if you know he's going to be out. Yeah. But at, regardless, like him missing so much time, yeah, it hurts your team, but like it shouldn't be this crippling thing that makes you think you can run it back and squeeze the juice and get more or squeeze the fruit and get more juice next year. I don't know. I, I thought it was very interesting the amount that that was brought up in, in various answers to different phrased questions about different things, by the way, as well. So, 
Uh, a lot of TJ Warren talk, and I definitely think that hurt the team, but maybe isn't the fallback that they have or that was presented in the press conference. But I understand that it could be different. I think, again, I thought he was going to be very good this year now that they kind of had figured out what sort of role made more sense for him, which is more touches, him running stuff instead of just being. You know, I, I mean, I thought he was due for a big break this year. I thought he was going to be. He was fourth in usage in his amazing 2019-20. Like, if he got oh, up man. second on the team in usage, oh, my gosh. I, think I mean, I think he, he, he somehow also figured out his three-point shot off the dribble, I feel, a little yep. bit, which is, like, opening up everything for him all of a sudden. He had that. And he's got to – he had to get his passing improving, but I thought you put Oliva back with him and you kind of, like – now you have, like, a, a – we had it for four games of, like, an amazing amount of scores. <laughs> like yeah, They lost one bad fourth quarter of the Celtics, and they looked amazing for those four games. Right. We I think we texted earlier this season. I was like – you were, I think you said to me, you're like – do they even or TJ Warren is is the team is so deep? TJ Warren is like an afterthought on offense, which is yeah. like insane because he was the offense for most of like he had like August, four or August, five points in their year. first game, and you like they smoked the Knicks. You had no idea. He was like, oh, TJ Warren's their fifth option, right? Like yeah, and then in, in August and October or September of last year, he was their their offense. He was their entire offense yeah. for like a month, and it got them regular season wins. It did not work in the playoffs. That said, the last thing I wanted to touch on relating to their record, sort of. Kevin Pritchard brought, I don't even think this was how the question was phrased or anything like that, but he said the guys of this team in the locker room, the chemistry was good. Again, I'm paraphrasing. If it's not his quote directly, like it was at the beginning, I am paraphrasing. The locker room to the guys, the chemistry was good. They all like each other. You know, again, there was no infighting necessarily, but that didn't translate to the court necessarily. So that pops into my head and I started thinking about, this team was so inconsistent from game to game. Uh, you know, the, the just wildly terrible defensive nights followed by good defensive nights. And like a lot of that is scheme based. And we didn't even talk about that with Bjork and like being wildly unprepared for the Wizards in the play in game is honestly the biggest stain on him than anything we even talked about at the beginning. Was Anywho, he not prepared or the team was not listen? Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, you what, heard that. What time evidence out. do we have that they were just, ne- oh, they're not executing his game plan? Come on. No. I don't think that's the case at all. No, I mean, I guess, I mean, did you, that timeout where they, they came in and he was like yelling at them to do something or not yelling, but he was like, say, Hey, do this, you know, get back. And they just like, so they had no interest. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure he could have skewed up this great game. How much of the team was seen that like they were just, they seemed a little bit out of it the last game. I think, yeah, if they wanted to fire him, they probably loved that mic'd up timeout. <laughs> they were like, yes. Yeah, so- it was, it, it might have been, was a very, I just thought it was very like, Interesting to see what happened. He did that, and there was no response. Now, I'm, I think the team wanted to win. I just, I think, I don't know. At some point, it was like maybe they were too many games, too many days. They didn't have the firepower, whatever it was. Now, having Levert was a big issue too. But yeah, but anyways. So I, I do wonder, like, maybe there are guys who are are good friends and like each other, but maybe don't like playing together. Or I, I have no idea what he means by that. You know what I mean? I, I'm just thinking of what that could mean from him, or like what he's implying necessarily, but. That could be a factor in their inconsistencies for sure. And I wonder what that means if, like, you know, he, he didn't identify any specific players. And, of course, he wasn't going to even if he was asked to. But, you know, if, if that player was identified somehow, if we could learn, oh, maybe this guy won't be back because, you know, he doesn't like playing with this guy or, like, he plays inconsistently because he doesn't necessarily think the scheme is awesome and Bjork is back. Like, who knows what that actually means? Like, it seems like, again, these guys are all buddy-buddy in the locker room, which is good for chemistry purposes. But if it's not translating to the court, that doesn't mean a lot. And they need it to translate to the court because they looked really connected at times for the last two weeks of the season, but they looked horribly connected for like two months in the middle of the season. So it's hard for me to figure out exactly what that means, but that certainly was a stain on their success this year. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I mean, 
I guess the maybe the, the shining light right now that happened is that there wasn't some like worse chemistry inc- incident, right? I mean, there there were a lot of things that there was the coaching go spat, and that's it, really. Yeah, I guess that right that that was, a, but that wasn't. I don't know. I don't like like I guess I'm thinking like player on player stuff, right? Like that's usually where it's really bad. Coaching stuff, I feel like when it gets heated, right? Like I, we've seen players get mad at co- their own coach. Like a lot of times, it's actually not the worst thing. Um, but like, it wasn't some worse, like, I mean, my, my biggest fear has always been like somehow it's a bonus and turnover. We're not get along because like, they both want to be the center and that person issue that never, that really has not been an issue. We haven't heard either of them really complain about it or say much. I mean, and has been willing to kind of try to make it work. So then they've always been kind of good soldiers in that way. So I don't, that's always a good part of it, I guess. And without the thing too, is with, if they, if they had worn healthy, there might've been an issue of like. Levert, him, Brogdon, all trying to share the ball, but you didn't really have that issue either. So I mean, there, there was some testament to the team at least like tried to put on a good face and like they like the guys didn't seem to like despise each other. I don't see. Here's the thing about that. I understand that that will be a talking point this summer. The thing you just said, but like there were no ball sharing issues when it was Depot, Warren, and Brogdon. You know what I mean? But Depot was barely there, right? <laughs> he had huge usage in the bubble and stuff. Yeah, but also wasn't Depot. I mean, there should have been a ball issue with Oladipo, but probably at that point. Well, okay, but that's not really relevant to me. Like, no, no, there I wasn't. Even if there, sh- even if he should have had it less, like there was no issue. Like they all got plenty of touches. Yeah, and there was like there was that one game where what was him, Brogdon, and Warren all combined for like seventy something yeah. points, and they were like really good, and it worked out yeah. perfectly. So that was the yeah. wasn't that the Lakers win? I might be wrong about that. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. It was Lakers win. Just stepped on a popcorn kernel. Um, nice, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so. That's everything I typed down. Did anything? I know you listened to the whole thing as well. Did anything stand out to you in the presser? No, I I thought his evaluated comment going back to the beginning was just interesting. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, the thing I would say is like I, I don't. I think he what he was trying to he was trying to take some responsibility for the Gurkwin thing and saying that like you know what I mean like like we it's not just on the coach right. He was trying to like you know what I mean which is what a good you know leader does right. You don't. Yeah. You don't you don't just blame your subordinates. You you know the buck stops somewhere. So I thought I thought that no I thought that was really good of him and just like not throw Brooklyn on the bus either. I mean that's something too that I think a lesser GM somebody who like feels like they're in desperation for their job would be doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think I think a good example is you look across the street to Ryan Grigson versus Chuck Pagano and how many times Grigson basically tried to like either throw a player or or Pagano on the bus to save his job. Um, and so I think you know I think because you're is like honorable in that way. And like I said, I think this is a, it's a big decision for him because I think if he does fire, but I said it, it could be the last coach he gets a chance to hire. Cause he knows that that coach, that hiring decision will be like pivotal, pivotal to his, like his future in the NBA, because it's really hard to recover if to, if to fire three coaches in two years. I mean, that's like, or even three or even three years. Like that's, that's not, that's not really recoverable as a GM. Yeah. They kind of left the, the door open for like any path, which that's like not surprising. You know what I mean? Like these press conferences aren't like Kevin Pritchard, detail your next seven signings and two coaching hires. Like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Which I, by the way, that's what I think people think is happening on Twitter. Like the responses I get to some of the, the tweets. Gee, people, Did you ask about the draft? What, what do you want me to say? Hey, are you going to pick? Uh, who are you going to pick with pick 13? Like, oh, are you going to trade up? Like he's just going to say the same stuff he says every year. Like Pritchard well, always amazed me with the moves he thinks of. I mean, I didn't even like the Hayward move last year that should have happened. Like, I didn't, I mean, you and I didn't realize it was happening till like the day of his happening. Right. I mean, it was, or maybe a couple of before, like some of the, like he is very good at like keeping him close to the best and executing it. Like when in a split second, right. He hopping into the Harden deal with Oladipo was exactly brilliant. The brought the Brogdon move. I mean, yeah. we were, we were, we were doing a live show and we're like, wait, they, were they going to sign Rubio 10 minutes ago? And they signed yeah. Brogdon. We couldn't understand how that happened. Like he is very good at like having 
contingency moves and where he wants to go first and all that stuff. And so, I mean, I give him credit there. So, but he will, he will never share it with the public. It will just happen. <laughs> I guess I would really sum it up like this. I weirdly think on a micro level, we kind of learned a lot. And on a macro level, we kind of learned nothing. <laughs> if that makes any sense. No, I, I think, I think that does. So we'll see what this means going forward. And the first thing is the coaching thing. That's the next thing we'll have to, to talk about for the off season, right? that's going to be the first move we know. Well, I don't know how we'll know if they keep him. I'm sure Woj will be the one to leak something like that. But at some point, we will find out if Bjorkman's going to be back next year or not. And then everything stems from that, right? If there are truly guys that didn't like playing for him, do they want to come back? How does that change their retooling approach? How does that change their free agency? We didn't even talk about the McDermott-McConnell quote, although it does sound like, like they said in their own quotes that they would like to be back. We'll see what the cap allows there. So we'll see. There's a lot up in the air, a lot of moving parts, and – Pritchard's got a hell of a tough job evaluating it. I don't envy him, but I expect more changes than you do. So we will see what happens. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, it will be an interesting offseason. And we'll definitely know, will. get a lot of content out of it. That's for sure. It's very funny because our first offseason doing this, they traded PG for Vic and Sabonis. And we knew the, the PG trade was coming. Pretty predictable. Offseason number two, they had about 12 million in cap space to sign, or sorry, about 20 million in cap space. We knew they were going to use it on offensive players. They got Tyreek Evans and, and, and McDermott. Pretty good. Number three, they had a ton of cap space. We had no idea who they were going to bring in, but we kind of foresaw a few of the guys. And then last year, then we knew they were going to do nothing. So that was a lot of summaries to say. It's been more readable in the past what they're going to do. This is the first offseason that we've been doing the pod where I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, I don't know what they're, they're evaluating as a position of potential need for upgrades. I don't know what they're thinking about draft-wise. I, I have no idea. It's very I mean, strange. I just, there's like... And I'm sure they will eventually appear, but like I just don't know like who is really like available. We kind of like, want the playoffs are over, yeah, right. But I feel like we, well, I guess we didn't really know last year in the bubble. I just, yeah, I feel like we knew Hayward was going to possibly be available. I, thought, I was talking about for a while, um, but like the guy I think of right now is Demar Derozan. The guy I think of I like know will probably be available, but like uh, he's not coming to the page. They don't need more guards. <laughs> better than Karras at this stage? Yes, he is. Don't no one make fun. No, of no, that. he's good, but they just. Like he doesn't fit their timeline, and he's like, "I'm gonna guard." Do you want to have three guards? I mean, sure. I guess you want to run for Carolina. We will try. do a shooting guard free agency preview in July, Adam. Don't. Okay. Worry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If anyone has anything that we didn't bring up from this that you want us to talk about, let us know on Twitter at Locked On Pacers. We'll happily bring it up later this week. There's still some other shows to talk about tomorrow. We'll hear from Pacers players on their own free agency, so that will be fun. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.